Hello and welcome to this edition of our AWS podcast series, Innovation Ambassadors. I'm Sarah Armstrong, and as Senior Manager for Worldwide Prototyping at AWS, along with my AWS co-hosts from around the world, we'll act as your ambassadors to some of the most interesting engagements with our AWS Solutions Architecture prototyping teams. Every episode, we provide you with a roadmap to innovation in technology solutions. We're so glad you joined us on this journey. On this episode of Innovation Ambassadors, we're showcasing the journey of Comply AI, an exciting tech startup from Sydney, Australia, specializing in governance, risk, and compliance for artificial intelligence and other emerging technologies. We'll explore their work with our prototyping team in Australia to build an extensible and scalable workflow engine to facilitate key compliance activities at every stage of the artificial intelligence lifecycle, from innovation to implementation and ongoing operations. Join us on this episode of Innovation Ambassadors. Well, I'm excited to welcome the founder of Comply AI, Kristen Miliarini. Thanks for being with us here today, Kristen. Thanks, Sarah. Super excited to be here. Thank you. And joining us from AWS Prototyping, we have Senior Prototyping Engagement Manager, Chitra Krita. Chitra, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Sarah. Great to be here. And also from AWS, we have Senior Prototyping Engineer, Jack Stevenson. Great to have you here with us, Jack. Thanks very much. Great to, great to join you. Well, Kristen, for our global listeners, can you tell us a little bit about the mission of Comply AI? Yeah, so uh, before I start, you probably can hear I've got an Aussie accent. We're a tech startup and founded uh, in Sydney, Australia. The short version is that we specialise in governance, risk and compliance for AI and other emerging technologies. And so what we're really trying to do is support the build, sourcing and use of safe AI technology. So moving businesses and governments faster to innovation and what we do is offer tech solutions, risk assessment support and advice so that our customers can get the most out of their AI investments. And we've created micro tools in AI support and an enterprise governance risk compliance platform for AI. So it's about capitalising on this radical shift in AI take up. So you think of generative AI and then you've got alongside that a market accelerator event, which is the introduction of new laws and safety guardrails by global policymakers. So for us, this is about making the difficult accessible and to scale to democratize this knowledge and supporting AI. Fantastic. How did you come to this space, Kristen? You have a unique background, don't you? I have been a lawyer litigator for over two decades and so working in IP litigation, in-house legal counsel for banks, universities in deep technology areas and my own law firm where I started to witness a real proliferation of tech investment in AI and other emerging areas. So I think lawyers sometimes get described in pretty unflattering ways but I think at the heart of it we can be really practical people and give us a problem and we try to solve it. So some of the problems I started to observe was this investment in artificial intelligence, but knowledge was quite low and there was a lack of understanding of risk. And then you couple this with issues of skill shortages for AI experts to undertake assessments. And 
Then what I started to see commencing in 2021 was this tsunami of laws coming from the European Union. So I knew I needed to solve this problem and how that materialised into a tech form at that time was what I was trying to test. You know, you, you hit on this a little bit, but that global AI governance landscape is evolving and very complex, as you mentioned. Regulatory bodies are weighing in with uh, new compliance requirements, policies. There's perhaps misconceptions out there and and a little bit of confusion probably uh, on behalf of folks of how they can be in compliance. Can you talk to us a little bit about that governance landscape that you see today and, and where you see changes happening over time? Yeah, so firstly, this stuff is super complex. We understand that. It's really tough. And Some of the biggest misconceptions we see about AI is that it's presently unregulated. It is. There are quite literally thousands of laws that intersect with AI, and it's not just about data privacy. You think about export and import controls, defence, online safety, product safety, consumer protection, competition laws, discrimination, intellectual property. And not all these laws fit nicely into some of these novel technology advances and they're untested, but they do exist. And so there are also many more coming. And so what we started to witness was legislation coming out of the European Union where there's heavy monetary penalties and also criminal liability in some countries, for example, in Canada. And so even last week in Australia, which is exciting for me, the government announced its intention to regulate and open submissions for our approach. So I look forward to continuing to support our government and our research in that space. But the short view for your listeners is that policymakers are moving on regulating AI and some arguably in a more comprehensive way than others. But there's no doubt there's going to be disparity across the globe, at least for the initial phase. And we want to help And so some of the AI activities will actually be illegal and you cannot get those technologies to market nor sell them outside of your market, for example, in the EU. There'll be other technology that will be classified as higher risk, which means that you are required to follow a governance regime to certify your technology to market. So whether that's um, internally or by way of an authority. And then there'll be lower risk areas and technology where you'll have some foundational requirements. So issues like transparency and explainability for your customers so that they feel comfortable engaging with your technology. And I think the real shift here, which is quite significant, is the ability for the first time in many countries around the world for regulators government agencies to look under the hood at organisations, algorithms and practices and moving into the future mandatory public notification where things go wrong. So, you know, as someone who's dealt with litigation and regulators and investigations, I deeply understand the challenges that organisations face in this place. And so I wanted to build a solution that I always wish I had. That's the problem that we're trying to solve moving forward. And that complexity of laws and regulations is also mirrored in the complexity of and the considerations around diversity, isn't it? Yep, absolutely. And I think in terms of going back to this sort of mission statement of Comply AI and, you know, why you choose the path of leaving a profession and starting a startup, I talk about this story and this sort of pretty pivotal moment in my life. And I spoke about this to the AWS team 
as part of how we wanted to scope the prototype. I've got two young daughters and I really want to ensure that they have an experience with technology that's safe. And when I started to do this research with some insanely smart people around the globe, I started to hear terms like distressed or traumatised data from researchers and it truly dawned on me the significance of what that meant in the world of data-hungry AI systems. And this sort of idea of weaponising the bias that lays dormant in this data from years gone by or even now and training AI models with it en masse. There's this story I tell about my daughter and at the time she was seven and I always take her to my pitch nights so she can understand the technology. And I talk about Comply AI and I sort of start saying, I want to tell you a bit about me as a founder, but also the problems that I'm trying to solve. And I'm female, non-technical background, and I have young children. And if all the venture capital funds used an algorithm to determine whether to fund me or not, my chance of getting funding based on my profile are very, very low. And I go on to say that there are important decisions being made every day by machines. Who gets access to healthcare? a job, bank loans, admission to colleges. And I remember my daughter came up to me afterwards and she said, mum, why are machines going to tell me I won't get a job? And I said to her, don't worry, your mum's going to fix that bloody problem and you and your friends are going to build it. And I sort of knew at that stage I was in the right place and where I needed to be. Fantastic. And speaking about that grand vision and where you knew you wanted to be, how did you come to work with AWS to help you get there? I started the journey with the prototyping team in 2022. I think the reasons are very but important to our story together. And as a company complier, I had done hard work and technical research for a long time into global laws intersecting with AI, collating data repositories and developed libraries of compliance documentation for high-risk sectors, so banking, finance, health higher education and training, and we'd work with some of the best experts in responsible AI to determine risk and anti-risk correlators for AI systems. And examining activity types within a sector, its association with AI and regulatory requirements. And so we'd done a lot of the hard work, but we wanted to collaborate with AWS because we wanted to push the edges and we were trying to achieve something that very few people were doing at that time. And I looked at AWS's offering and they have one of the broadest customer offerings in machine learning services, undertaking research for many, many years in AI. And I thought, if I could at least leverage those skill sets and infrastructure for an initial prototype engagement, we could build it out into a really incredible enterprise customer offering and do some further tech advances to complement the platform beyond that. The market was and still is early. There are literally only a handful of companies globally that are doing this sort of work. So we needed to be in a position to remain agile and pivot with our customers' needs and not overinvest until we're comfortable with our offering and product market fit. And another core goal of engaging with AWS was to absolutely reach the greatest number base for our offering and so that we could have the greatest impact in this space. And where your customers might be building their models in Amazon SageMaker and using model cards, we wanted to ensure that it wasn't a step change in behaviour for our customers to access at a really reasonable cost a tech solution that becomes part of their existing tech stack. What was important for us is that this simply becomes part of their tech hygiene, like cybersecurity and privacy. And 
your team absolutely specialise in doing the impossible and solving big challenges. And that's the space that Comply AI sits comfortably in. So I think for your listeners that being a startup is really hard and sometimes it can be romanticised. So the level of resilience required is really enormous. And if I'm truthful, it's also incredibly hard for a female founder in this sector. But what your team truly helped me do was exceptional and their support and their direction has led to a really innovative solution and an outcome for us moving forward. So Chitra, taking those grand visions, what we would call at AWS, think big ideas and bringing those into the prototyping engagement and and really refining what we're going to build is, of course, what you do every day. Talk to us about the journey that you took with Kristen and her team. So yes, when Kristen and I met, I remember being incredibly inspired by that innovative vision that she has. To execute on it, we set about transforming her vision into an actual build plan. And we used three steps for that. So step one, we focused Kristen's vision into a problem statement that the team rallied around. The statement read something along the lines of, today, users experience this problem in this situation. They need a way to do this desired solution instead. Step two, we then created a user journey and some user stories to empathize with what Kristen's users went through. We mapped out their day-to-day activities and reframed those functional requirements as user stories. That sounded a little bit like this. As a user, I want to do this so that I can get this result. And then step three, we identified the riskiest user stories and prioritized them against Kristen's business outcomes. Uh, What was really exciting about all of this was that we went from a vision and got laser focused on risky areas to prototype and prove feasibility. Kristen, I'm wondering if you can maybe spell out some of those key outcomes you were looking to see out of this engagement. What were those proof points that you're really after? We really wanted an all-in-one solution to help enterprise safely and rapidly adopt AI technologies. And that's whether our customers are building in-house, procuring or deploying those technologies. So we really wanted to help facilitate key compliance activities at every stage of the AI lifecycle. So from initiation and conceptualization up to the riskiest stage of deployment and monitoring the tech in situ. Two of the sort of key metrics that I spoke to the team about was this the user interface being drawable by way of an API. And so the costs involved in engaging with it radically low, scaling up and down depending on enterprise needs. And so being API driven was super important for us in terms of this engagement. What we understood from our market research was that large enterprise already have incumbent systems in cross-functional areas in data and privacy and cybersecurity and some really well-managed data sourcing procedures. So What we didn't want to do was require rebuild. So we wanted to ensure integration with those incumbencies. Makes sense. So Jack, maybe you can take us through that technical approach that you took to ensure that we had this API-driven solution. In terms of the the API, we looked at building this in a a model-driven way. And so one of the tools that we use in prototyping is the AWS Prototyping SDK, which is open source and available on GitHub. And... Uh, one of the modules in this this framework lets you build an API using an interface definition language called Smithy. 
And Smithy is actually the language that we use for a lot of our internal AWS services and building those APIs. And it lets you define all of the operations and their inputs and outputs and kind of think about how customers will interact with your API in a customer-first way. And the AWS prototyping SDK takes this Smithy model and generates a bunch of boilerplate code for you. So it generates the CDK code to deploy your API on API Gateway. It generates the server-side code for you to write type-safe Lambda handlers to service the operations that you've defined in your model. Uh, and it also generates a client code for customers to interact with um, this model in different languages. So building in, in this way meant that we kind of from the get-go could build something that enterprises could use to interact with and control this compliance management platform. And Kristen, maybe you can talk a little bit about that second. You mentioned there were two. What was that second element that was so important to you? I think that we're dealing with such uncharted waters here in many respects with new technologies and new risks and opportunities as well. And even globally, there's not benchmark metrics yet to measure those risks. And the complexity of AI systems and the infrastructure supporting it, and the fact that it doesn't follow traditional IT risk assessments, we needed to ensure that any system we built was non-linear, meaning that the workflows that we created and our workflow engine had the capacity to branch off to capture novel risk assessment and a layered journey of compliance for our stakeholders. And so if you think about AI systems and the complexity of hardware and software, you layer upon that open source, licensed software and a really complicated supply chain where you have various actors coming from different countries with different regulatory requirements. It becomes a complicated exercise to ensure that you're compliant at the other end. So that was very much another requirement that we needed to cater for something different here. And Jack, why don't you take us through the approach here? One of the main kind of takeaways from that is that there are many different stakeholders and each with different actions that they have to perform to ensure that their AI projects are compliant. As well as these different people involved, there are also systems involved. So at the very core of the prototype, we needed a workflow engine to be able to orchestrate navigating this really complex AI governance landscape. When you first think of a workflow engine and workflows in AWS, you'll immediately think of step functions. And while I did use step functions in the creation of this workflow engine, it was more to keep a Lambda function alive should it need to keep running for an extended period of time. And the workflow engine ended up being some kind of bespokely written engine which would take a workflow definition as, as data. And this really gave us a flexibility with the workflow engine. So you could have steps be implemented with custom code to either call out to other systems or wait for users to take actions and also could branch dynamically. So one of the things with a step functions workflow is you might need to think about all of your paths up front and the different branches you can take from at the beginning. But through this uh, workflow engine, we wanted to build something that was simple to extend, but also could make those dynamic decisions. And so the step executors could spit out bits of additional workflow to run or make decisions to branch the workflow in different ways to 
provide flexibility and kind of organically grow the workflow based on previous steps. Kristen, that notion of being able to be flexible and create that iterative approach for your customers, also important from an innovation standpoint. Absolutely. And I think just to sort of crystallize some of the things that Jack was talking about from a customer perspective. So we might think about, for example, a bank and they are procuring some form of AI technology from a third party. And so you think about the number of stakeholders that might be involved, data scientists, the engineers, legal counsel, auditor risk, product, and then the third party procurement team. And so there's a lot of stakeholders to be involved in that assessment of risk. And so what we needed to do then was to determine a workflow engine based on a risk assessment of that project. And so whether it might be high, medium or low risk or potentially illegal, and then based on that classification of the workflow, it takes you through sets. So do I need a quality management plan here? Do I need a risk management plan here? Do I need to go off and branch off to do our cybersecurity checks? Do I need to branch off to do our data privacy checks? And then engaging with that third-party procurement team to understand the risks of their systems as you absorb them into your system. So that whole ability to bring in to the platform a number of stakeholders in a really aggregated way and also to branch off into existing systems where you might have information, whether it might be data or other documentation that you have to bring together as part of documentation to certify that technology to market is really important for us. And so if we can bring a level of automation to that process and order and give transparency at the highest level to really disparate decentralized organization, it's key from a risk perspective. So that was absolutely something we wanted to achieve and I think we have. We often talk in this podcast about the idea of democratizing innovation, of of de-risking that. And part of that is having a appetite for, or uh, at least resilience, you used the word resilience earlier, for failure or challenges along the way and, and breaking through those. Was there anything here that was a particular challenge that you would want to highlight for our listeners? I think one of the challenges that we experienced when we first commenced was just ensuring synergies with the collective work of the two teams and bringing different viewpoints about how we should best achieve Comply AI outcomes. And so I've reflected on this during and post-engagement with the AWS team and I give one example here. And so Jack was talking about a drag and drop workflow function that he wanted to create for the platform for customers to customize their workflow experience, but based on that functionality. And as I said to him at the time, you know, having worked deeply in the trenches of large organizations in as legal counsel and my risk role and understanding the stakeholders and their capabilities and what works. So I think I said to him quite bluntly, I hate that function. It drives me insane and people won't like it. And We certainly did a bit of market research and that was the feedback. But actually, I think, Sarah, our ability to discuss, challenge and come to a form of consensus became one of the most exciting parts of the engagement. And it also follows this path that I advise my customers to follow when building their AI solutions. And so ensuring diversity of thought and bringing in a wider range of skill sets and people in areas outside of the traditional realm of engineers and data scientists and 
deeply understanding the intersection of the technology on your customers' lives and the lives of others is absolutely important in this space moving forward. That really resonates. And Chitra, I know you've done many prototyping engagements. What Kristen just said about that importance of diversity of viewpoints, of bringing in people with different levels of and different types of expertise, so important in the innovation space, isn't it, Chitra? Yes, Sarah, absolutely. And I think just to add to that as well, you talked about resilience. I think innovation is all about resilience, prioritization, and velocity. And getting these right is, is really the key here. Kristen, you were only with Jack and Titra for a short period of time. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit about where you are now. Where are you on the journey of building this system out and when will it be available to others? So just to finally be in a position to commence helping customers is super exciting. It truly is for us. And what we've realized in terms of the market that there's still a fair bit of work going into supporting our customers as part of their AI journey. And we've really embraced that. So working to better understand a customer's risk tolerances, audit what they have and where they want to go into the future to best leverage their AI investment. And so we're having discussions from banks to universities and schools and really innovative companies in medtech, fintech, HR tech and governments. And a lot of those will be high risk sectors. And so it's about getting that right at this point in time, knowing what could be potentially illegal and what you're investing in now or high risk, which means that you actually have to build in a particular way from an infrastructure point of view to meet the requirements to get it onto market. And just so that your customers can trust what you're building is absolutely important in any event. So we are getting started and a sector that we truly are enjoying and loving working with is really higher education and universities, training institutes and schools and sectors that are going to be considered high risk because of their intersection with students and staff and potentially impactful technology. And so we bring a lot of knowledge to that space. And just from a, a really basic level, our platform is there to map and log all your AI systems and ongoing projects in a really centralised infrastructure. And as I said before, bringing key stakeholders, whether it be engineers, data scientists, legal, product board, for decision-making and corporate oversight, which is absolutely important, to create projects in one place, to manage and mitigate risk across all the stages of the AI lifecycle, whether you are developing, you're procuring, or you're deploying that AI and to ensure your AI system meets all your business and legal requirements with collaborative governance and risk and compliance across that organisation. And that's very much facilitated through this intelligent workflow engine and some guided queries and documentation to comply that we've built out with legal and governance and AI experts globally to model really good practice. I think Moving forward, there's some really exciting things we're continuing to work on from a tech side that we can't go into right now. But one of our core objectives is to support enterprise as this technology becomes more complex and our tools become a way to, in fact, predict risk. And so using data to provide risk and benefit insights that are not otherwise available and this idea of developing what we call a living platform that continues to grow and mature and become more intelligent over time. So 
watch this space, jump on our website, uh, complyai.com, and we are happy to get in touch and talk about your AI maturity level and where you need support either from a tech solution space or risk assessment and compliance testing space. Kristen, Titra, Jack, thanks so much for sharing your journey with us today. And I'm wondering if you would share your reflections on what you learned from this engagement or what you would share to listeners who might be undertaking a similar innovation journey. I'll start with you, Jack. Yeah, I think one of my key takeaways would be to really ground what you're building in the user experience. So all of the amazing work that Chitra and Kristen did to kind of think through the user stories and how users would like to interact with uh, the platform. Uh, And then building on top of that and letting your architecture kind of grow organically from that is really important. I think it's quite easy and I I know that I personally find it quite easy to get a bit carried away with the tech and to get a bit excited about capabilities like that drag and drop workflow builder. And I I think trying to to remain uh, grounded while it's it's good to experiment and kind of challenge yourself and uh, do crazy things with tech as well. It's, it's always good to come back to the customer and think about how they'll be interacting with the tech that you're building and the, the real value that you're delivering. Well said. How about you, Chitra? What would you share with our listeners? When Kristen and I worked through our user journey, we thought long and hard, didn't we, Kristen, on who the core customer was and what the key value proposition was for them. Sometimes this can take quite a bit of time to do because there's always going to be many different segments of individuals with many different needs that we'd want to solve for. But honing in on that one core customer will really help ensure that the right things are built to solve their needs. Yeah, I really love the idea of a prioritization, right? And and focus being so core. As Jack mentioned, it's easy to sort of go astray, isn't it? Kristen, final words for you. I think Comply AI has gone on this really incredible journey to research and talk to some insanely smart people around the world who shared a vision of ensuring the creation of safe AI technology and people who really deeply care. And I think in terms of the engagement with the AWS team, we wanted to push some boundaries here and do something that hadn't been done before. And with the support of that team, we got to a point we have a fantastic product for our customers moving forward. And so what I learned was listen deeply to others that are experienced and know your value in that innovation process and leverage skill sets and ideas to create something special. And I absolutely hope it will support our customers moving forward and enable our customers to innovate themselves and create some amazing things in different sectors such as health and critical infrastructure and the public sector and many other areas. And I'm super excited about the future now. So am I and super inspired by your vision, Kristen. Thank you, Jack, Chitra, Kristen, for being with us today and sharing your vision and your journey. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, thanks very much for having us. I'd like to thank our listeners for coming on today's journey with us. Innovation Ambassadors is a production of the AWS Media Series. Look for future episodes of our vodcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite streaming platform. 
If you have ideas for future episodes or comments on this one, send us a tweet at hashtag AWS Innovation Ambassadors and share your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you.